Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, Be Not Unequally Yoked with Unbelievers. It shall be focused on a study of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word, to know that you never change your mind about your word. We pray, Father, may you work in the hearts of each and every one of us. Draw us from the pleasures of sin and set us on the feet on the path of righteousness living for you. We thank thee for all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Chapter 6. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straitened in us, but ye are straitened in your own bowels, now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Does God Ever Change His Mind About His Word? This was preached in 1965 on April the 18th in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 65 up to paragraph 189. 
I trust you find it to be a blessing. The book of Numbers, the 22nd chapter and the 31st verse. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Now, in the reading of this, to build a context around it, I want to take the subject, does God ever change his mind about his word? That's quite a text, and it's a great truth that we ought to understand. Can God say anything and then say, I'm sorry I said it? Can God take his word back after he said it? Now, in this statement here, the reason I chose this statement was because it's one of the statements of the Bible that a reader trying to see or try to say that God does change his mind, this would be more like that he changed his mind than any place in the Bible I know of. Because he told Balaam one thing and then told him another. And now, many people has tried to make Balaam just a, or a soothsayer or something, but Balaam was not a soothsayer. He was a prophet of the Lord. Now, we'll kind of get the outline of the message first. Israel was in their journey from Palestine, going to Palestine, coming from Egypt, and the Lord was with them. And they were... Every enemy that uh, raised up before Israel was moved out of the way. For God said he would send hornets before them and would drive out the enemy as long as they walked in obedience to his command. The job was never too big. The Amalekites, the giants of the day, meant nothing to Israel, though they were small men in statue. But they were walking in thus saith the Lord. So, no matter what the opposition was, God always seen that His words of promise never failed Israel. And Israel of the Old Testament is the type of the bride of the New Testament. Coming up out of the, the world, marching on the road to Canaan or the Canaan that we go to, the millennium. Now, now we notice Moab here is a type of the church. And Moab, they had just slew some kings and had routed the enemy, killed off everything, assessed the land, and moved up by Moab. Now, Moab was by no means a heathen nation. Moab was a nation that served the same God that Israel served. And the land of Moab was uh, originally started with Lot's son by his own daughter. And he, being the founder of this nation, and had organized his celebrities and so forth and made a great nation out of it, and then multiplied and went on and now Israel was 
of the seed of Abraham, not of Lot. Israel come out of Isaac, Jacob, and Israel sprung out of those uh, twelve tribes from Jacob, which was later called Israel because he wrestled with the Lord. And Moab here, now in this and you people out in the, on the telephones, I want to first say that I, I do not wish to be critical, and I hope I'm not, but the message that's been given to me, I must be faithful to that message or I'll be a hypocrite. See? Uh, I can't say no more than what I am sent to say. And I, I am thinking that the great enemy of the Christian society today is the organized churches. I do believe with all my heart that it will finally form into the mark of the beast, which I can think I can prove that by the Bible with God's help. I have already done it. That it will form into the mark of the beast in the federation of the churches. Because God never did at any time ever recognize an ordained church, organized church. Never. He never did do it, and every time that man made an organization, the Spirit of God left it and never did return again. Ask any historian. Or you may be a reader yourself. Never. When they organized, God laid it on the shelf, and that's where it went. It stayed from then on. They growed in members, but never awakening of the Spirit. Never. No more. Moabir is a type of such, because they were a a organized nation in their own land, like in their denomination. And they had their own religions. And their religion was the same religion that Israel had. They were Mobanites and believed in Jehovah God, but they was an organized group of people. And now, as they represent the natural church, Israel represents the spiritual church in its journey. Now, Israel was not an organized nation. As long as they followed God, they were independent. They come up, sojourners, no place to go. Wherever the pillar of fire went, they went with it. They were not an organized nation. They had an organism among them because circumcision gave them that under the commandment of God, but never an organized nation at this time. When they finally become an organized nation, that's where they fell and rejected their Messiah. And now we find uh, always that when these natural and spiritual spirits of churches and organizations meet, there's always a clash. It's never failed to be so. It always clashes. Because we find that in there is a jealousy. And there, in this jealousy, it causes carnal comparisons, impersonations. And we find it in the day, as it was then, when God does something for an individual, everybody tries to copy just like God did for that person. See, it causes... Uh, competition and it makes carnality 
and then if they cannot, the other side, get the spiritual results, then they take it by a political power. Or they substitute something to upset the people's minds to draw disciples after themselves. That's exactly what took place at the very beginning. As Cain and Abel, both boys here on earth, and when Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and God vindicated Abel by coming down and receiving his sacrifice, it caused jealousy with Cain because he was jealous of his brother and slew his brother. It started at the beginning, that when the natural and the spiritual, yet Cain and Abel worshiped the same God. They both built the same kind of altars. And they both worshiped the same God at the same church, same altar. But Cain, by carnal reasoning, brought in the fruits of the land and laid them upon the altar as a sacrifice, thinking that surely that this would answer to God for an atonement. So he must have brought in, as people think today, apples that Adam and Eve took that caused the sin, and uh, whatever I think now, they got it down to a pomegranate or something. Now, some of them said not long ago it was something else. And, but Abel had the right sacrifice. He knew that it was blood that did it. So he brought a lamb. And when God received his, now Abel, by faith, by revelation, no other way, there was no Bible written. So you see, the beginning of righteousness is God's revealed truth. Amen. And the entire church of the living God is built upon that. Amen. Jesus, one day coming off the mount, said to his disciples, Who does man say, I the Son of Man am? One said, You're Moses, and the other said, You're Elias, and you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, But who do you say that I am? That's when the apostle Peter inspired of God, quickened by the Spirit, made that tremendous statement, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Notice the statement. Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My heavenly Father has revealed this to you. Thou art Simon. Upon this rock. What rock? Now the Catholic says, Upon Peter, the rock, little stone. And the Protestant says, upon Christ the rock. Not to be different, but it was upon the revelation that Peter had who he was. No man can come to me, said Jesus, except my Father draws him. And all the Father has given me will come to me. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Upon this rock... I'll build my church, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Amen. Spiritual revealed Word of God. Notice, Abel, by faith in God, offered a more excellent sacrifice, and the carnal uh, believer 
Bob believes the works of his own hands that and his fruits and his beautiful offering that he brought that God would recognize and it made a clash. We find that Abraham and Lot had the clash. We find that Moses and, and Dathan, Korah had the same clash. Moses, being an ordained prophet with the word of the Lord, vindicated that he was chosen to be their leader of the hour and that Abraham had promised all these things and your Moses fit exactly what God said it would be, take place. And Korah, being carnal, wanted to raise up an organization among them. He wanted to make a group of men. And God doesn't deal with people like that. It shows right there in that scripture a type of the journey today that organization is not what God ordains. For as soon as Korah done it, he said to Moses, you take too much upon yourself. In other words, the whole congregation's holy. Well, you say you're the only holy man. You have no right to do any such as that. You try to make yourself somebody big. We're all holy. We're all God's children. Moses just turned his head and walked away. He said, Lord, what will I do? God said, separate yourself from him. I've had enough of it. And he swallowed him up in the earth. See, there was a clash when the carnal and the spiritual meets, there's always a clash. When Judas and Jesus met, there was a clash. One the son of God, the other the son of Satan, just like Cain and Abel. There was a clash when they met. One of them was a treasurer of the church and the other and a pastor. And as now, we come in this day to the same thing again. The carnal denomination to the spiritual bride of Christ. The spiritual bride of Christ is so much different from the carnal organizations till there's no comparison in them at all. Now notice, the natural always tries to type the spiritual. But as in Jacob and Esau, it will not work. It will not. Now, when it comes to doing good works, I, I, I believe that Esau actually was a better man than Jacob. In the sight of man, he tried to take care of his daddy. He was blind, a prophet, and all these things that he tried to do. But yet Esau didn't think about that being just carnal work. He thought he could get in by what he'd done, do something good for somebody, which was all right. But Jacob, his whole soul was to get that birthright. And that's what God recognized in him spiritual. Notice, it's always caused the natural to hate the spiritual. It caused Cain to hate Abel. It caused Korah to hate Moses. It caused Judas to hate Jesus. And on and on it goes. It causes the natural to hate the spiritual, just as Cain at the beginning hated um, Abel, uh, the one that God received the sacrifice from, and tries to destroy them. They try to destroy the influence. They try to destroy everything because it's nothing but jealousy. It started in Cain and proved that it was jealousy, and it's still the same thing today. When the natural, the carnal, and the spiritual meet together. It proves it's Satan 
no other way but because jealousy comes from Satan. And that causes an impersonation of the truth. Somebody to try to impersonate something that isn't, they are not ordained to do. How much of that have we seen in this last days? Oh, my. How much of it? So, we see God does for not forever change his mind about his original word. But who he calls, that's who he ordains. No one else can take that place. No one could take Moses' place. No matter how many Korahs raised up and how many Dathans, it was Moses God had called, regardless. But, and if the people won't walk in his perfect will, he does have a permissive will he'll let you walk in. Notice, he permits it, all right, but he will make it work out for his glory in his perfect will. Now, if you'd like this, like in the beginning, it was not God's perfect will for children to be born on the earth through sex. No, sir. God created man out of the dust of the earth, breathed the breath of life into him, and he become a living soul. He took from that man a helpmate and made a wife to him. That was God's first and original will. But when sin come in and did the thing that it did, then he permitted man to marry a wife legally and have children by her. Multiply and replenish the earth then, if that's the way you're going to do it. But you see, it never was his perfect will. Therefore, all these things that had a beginning has to have an end. All sin has to come to annihilation. All sin has to be done away with. Therefore, in the great millennium, when the resurrection comes, we will not have to be reborn again by our fathers and mothers, but God, like He did in the beginning, will call man from the dust of the earth and his helpmate with him. That's right. That's the way He did it at the beginning. So therefore, God never changes His mind about anything, but He will permit you to go on. Now, this is a long ways around to get to what I want to say here about this, but, and, uh, but it's, uh, you'll, I want you to understand it. See, God will permit you to do something and even bless you in doing it, but still it isn't His perfect will. God permitted Israel to take a law. In Exodus, the 19th chapter, when grace had already given them a prophet, pillar of fire, a sacrificed lamb, a delivering power, but they cried out for a law. It wasn't God's will, but it was injected because man wanted it, and he was cursed by the very law that he wanted. It's best to have God's will. That's what he taught us. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done. We must submit ourselves to His will and His word. Don't question it. Believe it. Don't try to find a way around it. Just take it the way it is. So many wants to go around, get some other way. And when you do, you find yourself going on. You find God blessing you, but you're working in His permissive will and not in His perfect divine will. He permits it, as I said, but He will not... Uh, he will not uh, let it be His perfect will, but He'll make it work to honor and bless His perfect will. And childbearing, but sex was one of that. 
Now notice, Moab to begin with was an illegitimate nation. It started out illegitimate, yet by a, a father believer and a daughter believer. Just exactly, if you'll type that and use a spiritual mind, you can see that denomination standing there just as plain as anything. Sure. See, the whole thing is altogether wrong. And look, when it's broad started like that, it, can it keeps like a ball of snow. It just keeps rolling more and more and more. You get one era and start on that one era, and you just keep rolling one thing after another, one thing like another, all after another. And that's the way the church started. That's the way it started at Nicaea, Rome. When the Roman Catholic Church at the very beginning, where it come from, was Pentecost. But when they organized and brought in the celebrity into the church, they started to make and, uh, having prayers and uh, running beads and, and praying for the dead and all these other things. And then it just started rolling from one era to another, one era to another, until look where it's gone to. There's not one representation of Pentecost in it at all. See? It's one air, picking up another, picking up another. There's only one thing to do. That's clean off the record and go back to the beginning. When Martin Luther started off with justification, this ought to be the further advanced Lutheran church. See, if Luther, when he organized, he could not take Wesley's sanctification because he's organized and the man wouldn't stand for it. So the spirit moved out of it. Now, Lot's group here, or Moab, was Lot's daughter's child. Illegitimate to start with. Now notice, as the natural church, Moab represents the natural denomination. Israel represents the spiritual church. Israel, there was a church true, was the bride of that day called out of Egypt and vindicated to be the truth. Notice when they, them two come together. Both of them offered the same sacrifice. Both built seven altars. Both offered up clean sacrifice. Oxen. They even offered up rams testifying that there was a coming Messiah. Fundamentally, they were both exactly the same. Israel down here in the valley. Moab up on the hill. And Moab with seven altars. Israel with seven altars. Moab with seven ox. Israel with seven ox. Moab with seven rams. Speaking of the coming Messiah, Israel with seven rams. What was the difference in them? Fundamentally, both right. But you see, Moab did not have the vindication of God with them. They were only a nation, a group of celebrities. But Israel had a prophet with them. They had a smitten rock with them. They had a pillar of fire. They had a brass serpent for healing. They had the blessings of God moving right along with them. Amen. And they was the called out children of God. Now, we find that so perfectly typed here in them churches of today. As Moab was not so. Israel was a sojourner. From place to place, wherever that pillar of fire moved, they moved with it. Moab, not so. They were settled down in their own denomination, down in their own nation. 
They didn't move. They stayed right there. They had their celebrities. They ordained things as they should do. And they had their warriors. They had their fighters. They had their king. They had that they got their orders from and so on. But Moab seen Israel with something that they didn't have. They seen a mighty power amongst Israel and it was a prophet. And that prophet was Moses. And they know that when the battle went wrong, they just raised up his hands and held him up there and the battle changed. So they didn't have such as that. So they tried to match it with politics, with a political pull. They sent over to another country and hired a prophet to come over so they could have a prophet and would have power amongst them just like Israel had amongst them. Do you see the carnal comparison? Can you see the carnal church today? It's done the very same thing. Notice. Now they're both going to have prophets. The only difference was Moses, the prophet of God, his king was God. Amen. That's where he got his orders, the word of the Lord. And Balaam, he also, he had a king. And that king was Balak, the king of Moab. And that's where he got his orders and his blessings. So Moab said to Balak, uh, come down. Or Balaam said, come down and curse me this people. For they cover the whole face of the earth. They just come and lick up everything like an ox licks up the grass. Said, come down now. Uh, and I understand that you can curse. You can bless. Whatever you do is recognized. Now we want to notice that this man was a prophet ordained of God, but he sold his birthrights. Amen. For political reasons, just as the church did today, like Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, and the whole group of them, sold it out for pools in their organization. Moses under God, Balaam under Balaam. Yet both prophets were called man of God and both spiritual. Notice the difference. Each had a head. Moses was God, Balaam was Bailey, notice here how the spiritual is applied to prove that the natural is wrong. Moses, son of God, in line of duty, is met and challenged by another prophet of God. Can you imagine it? Moses, called of God, ordained of God, standing in the duty of God moved up into this cold, formal group and was challenged by a, another prophet of God. Amen. What God had blessed and ordained, how would you tell the difference? They both had prophets. God spoke to both prophets. And some of them say, God said, do this. God said, do that. Now, I don't question that. But if out of the line of God's Word... The prophet, no matter if he is a prophet, he's out of the line. 
So many people get deceived like that. Oh, this brother can do this and this brother can do that. And deny the word. Though I speak with tongue of men and angels. Though I have gifts that I can move mountains. Though I give all my goods to feed the poor. I am yet nothing. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Have not I prophesied in your name? Have not in your name I've cast out devils and done mighty works? And I will say unto them, Depart from you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never even knew you. Yet they come with a confession that they had did it. But Jesus said they were workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? It's something that you know you should do, it's right to do, and yet you don't do it. See what's going to be in the last days? You're the whole line. That's my purpose tonight. I said I'd be out at 9 o'clock. But I'm going to be a little bit after, maybe. Look, that's my whole purpose to show you this line by the Word of God. See, that, that God has to keep His Word in order to say God. Now, we notice that both of these were spiritual men. Both were prophets. Both were called. And... Uh, Moses, right in the line of duty, with a fresh pillar of fire before him every day, the Spirit of God upon him, in the line of duty, here comes another servant of God, called of God, ordained of God, a prophet to whom the Word of God comes to. Here's the danger line. There's nobody can dispute that man being a God of God because the Bible said the Spirit of God spoke to him. And he was a prophet. But you see, when he got the real answer from God, he wouldn't keep it. He didn't notice it. Then he went to challenge Moses. Now Balaam sought the will of God with all of his heart. Now when these great man come over and said, uh, uh, Balaam, Balak, the king has sent that you come to him immediately and curse this people, Israel, because they're scattered all over the face of the earth, and now they're camping against me, and they've licked up every kingdom around below them, and now we want you to come over and curse this people because I understand that if you curse anyone, he's cursed. I see he was a man of God. What you bless is blessed. He was a servant of God. And Balaam now thought, being a prophet, there's only one thing for me to do, and that's seek out what is the will of God. That's a duty of a prophet, if he's called to be a prophet. First, what must a prophet do is seek out the will, the Word of God. Amen. He must do it. Because being a prophet, the Word of God comes to him. The, they say, well, you're not a theologian. Never does the Bible say the Word of God comes to a theologian. They're the one who messes it up. Right. Amen. The Word comes to the prophet of God. And here was a man who was a prophet of God. And when he was hired... To be hired to come over and curse another people of God. Notice he went to seek the will of God. And he wanted to know 
His perfect will. And God gave him his perfect will in the matter. His perfect will was presented to him. What was his will? Don't you go. That's God's first word. Don't go with them. Don't you try to attack my people walking in my perfect ways. How that is today. Want to fuss, debate, and everything else when they see the Spirit of God working among you. And they're trying to, they've tried for years to smother it down. But more they try to smother it, the greater it grows. You can't curse what God has blessed. You just can't, you just can't do it. So you see, that was God's people. Now that prophet, though he was up there and hard by the king, worked among the celebrities and so forth, and the word of God came to him, he sought the will of God, and the will of God spoke back to him and said, Don't curse this people. I blessed them. Now there isn't a theologian under the skies that can deny this message that we're preaching, but what it's exactly the word of God right in time. God's vindicated and everything has been said or done. He's proved it to be right. Now, there's no theologian, no Bible reader, no prophet can look in that word. If he is a prophet, he'll see the same thing. But if he doesn't see the same thing, that shows he's something wrong because he said, well, oh, I could take it vice versa. So could Balak. Balaam. See? But God identified Moses. And then what was the proof? The Word of God. And he heard the plain, clean-cut decision of God, don't you go. Don't try to, to curse what I blessed. Them's my people. But you know what? Balaam didn't like them people to begin with. Oh, what a, how many Balaams is there in the world today? He didn't like that group to start with. Now, after he got God's clean-cut decision, don't you go. But you see, instead of doing it, it was the same thing like Cain, like Korah. He was jealous. And he, he wanted to, a reason to go anyhow. Notice, his denominational headquarters, after he sent back, said, Oop, don't believe I'll go down. Don't believe I have anything to do with them. I won't debate with them, people. Because God's done told me they're His people, and I don't believe I'll go if you'd have stayed with that. But down in his heart, he didn't like them. See? They wasn't of his group. And anything that didn't belong in his group wasn't right to begin with. See? And he looked down at them and said, There's been some awful things that people did. Surely a holy God will curse such a people as that. They're, they're illiterate. They're not educated like us. We're smarter people. Oh, they claim to serve God, but look at them. What are they? A bunch of, well, a bunch of slaves, mud daubers that the Egyptians run out down there. Why, God would never have anything to do with a dirty bunch like that. He failed to see that smitten rock and that brass serpent, that pillar of fire. He tried to judge him from a moral standpoint. He failed to see the higher call of God. By grace, by election. They were in that line and with God's Word. And when He wanted to curse them, God said, Don't you do it. They're mine. Leave them alone. Don't you touch them. Now, 
So the man turned around, went back. Now, watch his denominational headquarters, though, when he gets back. They sent a more influential group. This time, they might have been some, uh, instead of just regular laymen, they might have been doctors of divinity come this time. They might have been bishops or maybe state presbyters. For all. <laughs> he sent a, a, a better group and uh, a little more influential group. Somebody that had a little better education could lay out the plan to him better, could make it reasonable. See, that's what Cain did. He reasoned. That's what Korah did. He reasoned. It's not him that reasons. We cast down reasonings. We believe God, no matter what anything else says, we believe God. We don't reason what God says. You can't reason with it. You have to accept it by faith. And anything that you know, you don't have to reason anymore. I don't know how he does it. I just believe he does it. I don't know how he's going to keep that promise, but he said he'd do it. I believe it. I accept it on the basis that I believe it. It's a word of God. You say, well, you can't get by with that. I don't know how I'll get by with it, but he said, say it. Uh, I remember my Baptist pastor told me, Say, why, Billy, you'll preach to the post in the church. Why, you think anybody hear a thing like that? I said, God has said so. How are you going to, with a seventh grade education, pray for kings and preach around the world? I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but he said so. And that's just good enough for me. He said so. I don't know how it's going to be done. He said, do you think the people, this great educated world that you're going to stand up against on this subject of divine healing and so forth. Do you think they'll believe that? I said, it ain't for me to know whether they believe it or not. I said, my duty is to preach it. That's what he told me. He said he'd be with me. And he told me what it would do. And it's done just exactly what he said it would do. First, take a hold of their hands. Then it'll come to pass that you'll even know the secret of their heart. And I told you about it. And it happened that way. How does it do it? I still don't know how it does it. It's none of my business how it's done. It's just done. Who could explain when God told Elijah, go up there and sit on the mount and I'll feed you. I've ordained the, the crows to feed you. How could a crow get a slice of bread and a piece of, piece of fish baked and bring it to a prophet? That's beyond anything I could explain. I don't think you can either. Or nobody can. But he did it. That's all necessary. He did it. And that's the truth of it. How he did it, I don't know. It's none of my business, but he did it. How he made the earth, I don't know, but he did it. How he sent his son, I don't know, but he did it. How he rose from the dead, I don't know, but he did it. How did he save me, I don't know, but he did it. Amen. That's right. How did he save you, I can't tell you, but he did it. How did he heal me, I don't know, but he did it. Amen. He promised he would do it, and he keeps his word. Now, Balaam should have known that, and he did know better. Notice, this better influential group come, and what better? They had better gifts. And not only that, they could give him more money, and they could offer him a better position. Now, besides just a regular minister in the, our organization, we'll make you a district superintendent. Eh? Uh, we, we'll do something for you if you just uh, run that bunch of people out of there, see, and stop that. Oh, they offered him a great position. Said more info. I said, you know, I'm able to promote you. Look where he's getting his words from. The head of the nation. Where was Moses getting his words from? The King of Heaven. One was the word of God's promise. I'll take you to the promised land, and no man will stand before you. I'll send hornets before you and drive them out from right to left. 
and you're going to take the land. I I've already given it to you. Go on, take it, possess it, it's yours. And now see, that's who Moses is listening to. And this man was listening until it come to something in his own heart he was jealous of. And so then he went to his ecclesiastical head. See, notice a better position. He said, you know, I'm able to promote you. I will promote you to a better place. I'll do more for you. I'll raise your wages. I'll give you a better salary. And when he offered him all of this, it blinded him. How many Balaam's are there in the world today that by a better position, a better church, a promise of something, when a man gets his eyes open to the Word and the workings of God, and that good man who's got influence will start out as a servant of God, and he holds a good congregation. After a while, the Holy Ghost baptism is presented to him. The baptism in Jesus' name is presented to him, which is a scripture and the only scriptural way to baptize. Right. And when it is presented to him, and the denomination knows you're going to lose him, when he starts that, they offer him a better position and a change in church. See, old Balaamism again, just exactly like it was at the beginning. Now, that man who reads that Bible, he can't read it unless he sees it. That's the truth. There's nobody ever baptized using the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's a Catholic creed and not a Bible doctrine. No person in the Bible was ever baptized for 300 years after the death of the last apostle but what was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church started that. And the rest of them come to it. And any minister sitting in his study and a look at that knows that's the truth. But for popularity, the holy's position, better thought of among the people, he compromises. Well, he say, God blessed him. Certainly. Some of them have got gifts of healing. Some of them have great campaigns. And that rubbed right in their face. And they get the same answer from the Word of God that you or any other man would get. God doesn't change. Amen. Amen. See what I mean? Balaam, for a better position, he thought, now look, when that better group come back, the right, th Balaam here took a phony text. See? He said, uh, the better group come back, he, he ought to said, get out of my presence. I've told you the word of God, get going. This is thus saith the Lord. But you see the gifts and to be a more popular man. Oh, how they like to do it. We'll send you all over the world. We'll give you a special plane. We'll sponsor your meetings everywhere if you'll just... Oh, no. Huh? See? We know what the Word says. We know what God said. We're going to stay with that. But God's help. See? No matter what kind of a promise and how much more you can pay and how many this, that, and the other you can, you can produce, we want the thus saith the Lord. Amen. And what He said here first... Well, the church said that's secondarily. We want what the God said at the beginning and anything added to it or taken away from it, even your name will be taken off the book of life. Now, add one word to it or take one word away from it. We want what He said, not what the church said, what Dr. Jones said, what somebody else said. We want what thus saith the Lord said. Amen. What the Word said. But now, we find Balaam, a servant of God. And many 
Ghost of those men start out and are ordained of God and does speak God's word. Many things. But when it comes to the full truth, they won't do it. Notice here. As a prophet of God, he should not have been caught in such a group as that to begin with. He shouldn't have went with him. But watch, for popularity's sake. See? For his conscience sake. He said, well, stay all night and I'll try again. See, I'll try again. What do you want to try again for? God already told him what to say. God said, tell him you're not going. That's his original word. I'm not going. And don't you go. Don't you curse what I blessed. Now watch that backfire on him after a while. See? It will every time. When God says anything, he means it. He don't change his mind about it. He stays right with his word. No matter what anyone else says, he stays right with that word. Now Balaam should have known better. He should have dismissed himself from such company. But all them nice gifts... And uh, uh, the promise that this king said, you know I can do it. I'm the bishop. I can do just whatever I want to. And I'll promote you if you'll come do it for me. And God done told him, don't do it. But yet, Balaam said, you, you stay all night and I'll, I'll try again. See? He had the word. You don't have to argue anymore about it. God's done said so. With a group like that, they always talk you out of the will of God if you let them. There's one group to come to a prophet one time named Job. They couldn't talk him out. <laughs> he saw the vision. He knew what was right. Balaam saw the vision and still didn't stay with it. No matter how much this church group said, Oh, Job, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. Even his wife, he said, You talk like a foolish person. See? I know what the Lord said. I know what he required, and that's what I've done. See, he stayed with what God told him. Notice, Balaam using this phony text for his conscience. See? He said, well, I'll find out. I'll try again. Now, there's where you come secondarily. How many Balaams have we got tonight that likes to use that phony text of Matthew 28, 19? Just for their conscience sake. How many wants to use Malachi 4 for their conscience sake? How many wants to use Luke 17, 30 just for conscience sake? How many wants to use these things? Well, I tell you, I'll be there all mixed up on that. And then here was Balaam trying to say, perhaps maybe God got mixed up. I'll try again. See what he said. Now he knows your heart. Notice Balaam used this phony text for his own conscience sake because actually he wanted that money. He wanted that dignitary. He wanted that, he wanted that job. He wanted that position to be looked up to as Dr. So-and-so. So he, uh, he said, I'll try again. Oh, at the Balaam's in the world tonight. <sighs> Promised positions, popularity, my, oh my. They numb their conscience by them. Because of their denominations, they say, if you do that, out you go. I know you're a good man, and we love you, and he is a good man. We love you, but you can't preach that. Our, our doctrine says you can't do that. Dr. So-and-so said this is the way it is. Now, you've got to believe it this way if you stay with us. Now, if you want to, I know you had a hard time. Well, I'll see if I can get you promoted. Maybe change churches. Oh, you fail them. Amen. When you know the will of God, you do it. Amen. God ain't going to change his mind. Amen. No. Something that he could pass by the truth uh, for his commission. 
He said, well, I'll, I'll try again. Notice that Balaam's there is. So now remember, when he come the second night with this great celebrity, already had his conscience dull and numb, God let him go. Now, God never changed his mind, but he gave him his permissive will. Go ahead then. But he found out it'll not work. God knew what was in Balaam's heart. Though he was a prophet, he knowed he hated them holy rollers. And he and he is he, he's going to want to curse them anyhow. And God done told him not to do it, but yet he come on to do it again. So God let him go ahead. God said, Go ahead. I remember he never changed his mind. Notice, it was his desire to curse them. The people that he classed as fanatics, he wanted to curse them. He wanted a position. He didn't want to fool with them. So he thought if he could do this little act for the king, then he would be promoted. God never changed his mind or his word. But he will give you the desire of, his heart, of your heart. He promised that. You know that? He promised to give you the desire of your heart. And let your desire be the word of God. Let your desire be his will. Never your own will, his will. If he, you ask him for something, he don't give it to you. Say, thank you, Lord. You know what's good. Look at even King Hezekiah. When he sent that prophet up there to him, God didn't say, put your house in order. You're going to die. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly and said, Lord God, I, I ask you to consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart. I want you to let me live 15 years longer. All right. God spoke to the prophet, said, go back and tell him I heard him. And what did he do? He brought disgrace upon the whole nation. He kindled the anger of God until he would have killed him. That's right. You know that. Backslid on God. It would have been far better on, off nation, king and all, if he'd have went on and took God's first thing to him. But it looked hard on the prophet. When the prophet had to go back and speak the word of God to him, that you done told him. But God said, go ahead. But you see, it brought a disgrace. What did Balaam do? After knowing the will of God, and yet he was persistent, he is going to do it anyhow. And what did it do? Notice, he never changed his mind. He knowed what was in his heart. You know, Thomas one time, he just couldn't believe it. No, he said, no, I can't believe that. If I could take my hand, stick it in his side... Put it in the nails of his hand. Well, that, and I, I, I'll believe it then. He said, come here, Thomas. <laughs> See? Uh, put your hands in here. Now, old Thomas said, now it's my Lord and my God. He said, yes, you've seen and now you believe. How much greater is their reward has never seen and yet believed. People sometimes won't receive the Holy Ghost unless they speak with tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues. Certainly. He's a good God. He'll give you the desire of your heart. But no matter how much you speak in tongues and deny this word, you're wrong anyhow. Hallelujah. See? You don't go in by speaking in tongues. You go in by keeping every word. That's the evidence of the Holy Ghost when you believe the Word of God. See? I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe you can be quick and like I said this morning to you, speak with a new tongue. I have myself and I know it's the truth. I know it's true. But that's not the sign you're, you're God's selected child. See? No, indeedy. You ever said, many will come to me and say, Lord, haven't I prophesied, done all these great things in your name? He said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. You speak with tongues and then refuse to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Something wrong somewhere. Yes, indeed. 
Any of those things, any of those orders God gives, there's something wrong. Just search your own conscience and see what, see what the Bible said. Show me someplace where somebody's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's not there. But you see, sometimes for your conscience sake, you say, well, you say, God speaks to the women about how they must do, not wear shorts and things. But, you know, the pastor says, so they take the easy way. They know what God said about it here. Okay? Sure. God said so, so they, they, they want to do it anyhow, see? They try to find an excuse. Well, I think it's much better. It's not, the wind don't blow. But God said for a man to dress different from a woman, if a woman put on a garment pertained to a man, it was abomination in his sight. So it's not right. It shouldn't do it. No. See, so therefore, it's wrong. But you see, they try to find an excuse that the Lord told me to do this. I don't say he didn't, but look at his perfect will. It's got to be his permissive will. You see what I do? It'll pollute the whole bunch. It polluted all the camp. Notice here. God never changed his mind, his word, but he is a good God and he'll give you the desire of your heart, though it be against his will. You believe that? Look, God told Moses, you go down there, this anointed prophet. Say, go down there and speak to that rock. It's already been smitten. Moses went down there in his anger, picked up the rock and said, you rebels, must we fetch your water out of this rock? And smoked the rock. The water didn't come. He smote it again. It come. It was against God's will. It broke every plan in the Bible. Christ had to be smitten second time. See, Christ was smitten once. It broke the whole plan. But he gave him his permissive will. Then he just said, see, we got the water for you. See, I brought it for you, a bunch of rebels. God said, come here, Moses. Come here. Come up here on top. You've been a faithful servant, like the woman with the high heels. You climb, see. Look over yonder. See the promised land? Oh, Lord, but you're not going over. You took my permissive will down here at the rock. You glorified yourself, see, and not me. You sanctified yourself. He didn't sanctify me. You didn't keep my original word, what I told you to do. Yet the waters did come. You can lay hands on the sick and they recover. You can prophesy or speak with tongues. But the thing is, keep his original word. God don't change his mind, friend. You've got to keep his commission, his will. Oh, well, that was for the disciples. He doesn't change. If he's still got a disciple, that's the same commission. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe it. It's never changed. He can't change. Now, you can say, well, i tell you, it ain't for this day. Oh, you Balaamite. See? See? God don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just look at the Balaamites today. Oh, I know in the Bible they baptize in Jesus' name, but look, all the people, I don't care what the people's done. Amen. There's not another name under heaven given among men whereby you can be saved. No remission of sin only through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What how good you are, what you do, that don't have one thing to do with it. It's God's original word. You've got to stay with that. Hallelujah. All right. Obedience to his word is better than sacrifice. You remember that time when Saul came back? Balaam had a gift of faith and could have used it to the perfect original word of God. Many men on the field today with gifts of healing could do the same thing. Many men out here, people speaking in tongues, people prophesying. A gift could use it for the kingdom of God. But they don't do it. They take, and God blesses them anyhow, gets a permissive will. But for popularity and pleasures, personal gains, sold their birthrights as Esau did. See? Sold out to an organization. Sold out like Balaam did. See? So many are doing today the same thing. We know that's right. They sell out their birthright. 
<laughs> Women professing the Holy Ghost, wearing shorts. Man permitting them in the pulpits. Bob-haired women in the pulpits, paint on their face with religious gowns on. The biggest stomach block the church has ever had. If you want to know in political powers what time it is in the kingdom age, see where the Jews are. Watch how the Jews are because they are a nation. If you don't know where the nations are standing, watch the Jews. If you want to know where the church is standing, watch the women. Watch the morals among the women because she's a representation of the church. When you see the pollution amongst the women, you find the pollution in the church. Watch she become a painted up Jezebel. Just exactly what the church has become. See? Now that's the truth and you know that. See? If you want to know where the church is, watch the morals among your women. Because she is the church as a woman. If you want to know the national status, watch the Jews. Notice, as God said to Balaam, after he had heard the true cut decision word, don't go. Yes, then he told him after he seen his, in his heart what it was to do, he'd give him his permission as well, so he said, go. And you can do the same thing. If you don't want to walk in the truth, you can go to have, have a great ministry. Certainly you can. But you're taking his permissive will. You're walking over his word. He'll prosper you. Certainly. The, just like he did Balaam. He was a success. But he couldn't curse that people. He couldn't do it because every time he started to curse, he blessed. See, he couldn't do it. But when he come to being prosperous in his achievement, he taught those people through Balaam to commit adultery. He brought in the camp of Israel and married them off. said, well, we're all one. Why you worship the same God? We got a prophet up here. You got a prophet down there. And we have the same sacrifice, the same Jehovah's our fathers. Now, why not you all just come and associate with us? The Bible said, don't join yourself up amongst unbelievers. Don't yoke up with them at all. If they don't believe it, stay away from them. Amen. Come out, be separate, saith the Lord, and I'll receive you. They touch not their unclean things. That's right. They're filth against the word and things like that. Stay away from it. Don't listen to it. And here we find out that Balaam went down there and uh, he began to teach the people. And he had an era and he, he uh, run in the way of Balaam. How that he did and taught Balak and the children of Israel committed adultery. And a plague struck the nation of Israel, the people. And... Uh, thousands of them died in one day. And while they were all there before the altar of God praying, here come an Israelite man with a Midianite woman, a denominational woman, and went into the tent and the priest stunk, walked around, took a javelin and killed them both. And that stayed God's wrath. You know, that's a scripture. Is that right? See, well, what happened? Balaam. He succeeded in weakening Israel. What did he do? He weakened their camp. God let him go and weaken their camp and it polluted the whole camp. And when some doctrine starts, it's not the Bible truth that pollutes the whole cramp. Somebody raised up with a different idea like core and say, well, this, that, and the other, and I got a different idea. It pollutes the whole camp. And that's what done the whole church camp today. That's right. Teaching, as he did, weakening the whole camp for Kadesh Barnea, the word showdown. When they got to Kadesh Barnea, then the weakening of the camp, they come back, they'd, what, right? If you remember, they'd eat angels' food. They had the Word of God every night, made manifest, and they eat the food. They drink from the rock. They did all, seen the miracles. Well, watch Moses and seen his words, see his prophecies. 
everything. And then finally, when they listened to this false teacher come in among them and teach wrong, he weakened the camp and prospered by it. He might have built million-dollar buildings. He might have had great denominations. He might have added thousands times thousands and done great works and mighty works and was a prophet. That's all right, but as long as it's not with the Word of God, you better stay away from it. God don't change His mind. Stay right with His Word, because that's what's going to come out in the end. The Word, word by word. Whosoever shall take one word away from it or add one word to it. It's got to stay that Word. Now listen, close now. When the Word test came, when they went over and seen the opposition so great, the greatest opposition they ever seen, the Amalekites was, was ten times their size. They said, we look like grasshoppers. Their fences are, their cities are so walled they run a chariot race around it, two chariots as hard as they can go around the walls. See? Other cities. While their spears are way out there along and they're giants, while we look like grasshoppers, we can't do it. And true man stood on that word. Yes. Caleb and Joshua said, wait a minute. Amen. You two million people, shut up just a minute. Hallelujah. We are more than able to do it. Hallelujah. We are more than a match for them. Yes. What was they based on? God said, I've given you the land. It's yours. There they stood. But the people had got married off amongst other things and all kinds of creeds and rituals among them. And they just winky, wishy-washy, didn't know which way to turn and what to do. That's right. There come the word test. Yet he grants you permission for, uh, to mi- permit your will, a uh, permissive will, knowing that what's in your heart, he knows it. You say, oh, Brother Branham, I do so-and-so. It don't bother me. God blesses me every day. I sing in the Spirit. I dance in the Spirit. I... You'll permit it. Go ahead. That's right. But what are you going to do? I wear shorts. I do this. It don't bother me. I know my faith is in Christ, not in what I wear, but the Bible said there is something to it. What you do, you'll make a stumbling block like Balaam did before every one of the other women. What do you do to your young girls? You'll have a bunch of Rickettas. That's exactly right. A bunch of little painted up Jezebels. See? But God will prosper you. Well, He blesses me. I don't doubt that. He blessed Balaam too. See? Certainly He will. You're walking in His permissive will, not His perfect will. God doesn't change His mind because He blesses you. He blessed Israel right out there for 40 years. What did they do? Married wives, raised families, kissed the children, paid their tithes, lived right out there, and the, God blessed them in the wilderness, fed them with the manna on and on, and every one of them perished. Because they never kept His original permissive, His original will, His Word. They took His permissive way. Go ahead. But you remember when they left Kadesh, they never journeyed any farther. They just went around and around the wilderness. Or they could have been out in two days after that. They'd been in the promised land. They journeyed 40 years and every one of them died. But Joshua and Caleb, the ones that stayed on the original word. Amen. Oh, God, help us. God don't change his will. Right. He don't change his mind. That's right. But he'll bless you. Sure, he blessed Balaam. And what did he do down there? He polluted the whole camp. See, you have to stay on what he said. He never changed his original plan. Now, look at the Balaam's today in the field, would you? Just look around. Prospering, speaking in tongues, sure. Using God's gift to gain everything, sure. But it defiles the whole church of God with their corrupt teaching. Right. One said to me, he said, what you doing this for? What you doing that for? I said, don't you believe it? That's the truth. Oh, yes. But he said, you know what? That's not your business. You're to pray for the sick. They believe you to be a prophet. Well, you could teach them women how to 
And that man, how to do this, that, that, how can you teach them algebra when they won't even learn their ABCs? How can you teach them them things when they won't even take the primer? You've got to come back and start where you began or where you left off and take every word of God. Just look at it in the fields today. As Balaam married into God's church, a harlot married the harlot into God's church. So is these false teachers today trying to tell you they're going to marry every one of these organizations and these people into the old harlot of Revelation 17. Their Balaam doctrine. Going around today and say, we're just the same. We're all Christians and priests and popes and whatever more, all compromising and doing this. The preacher said, even I know a Pentecostal preacher, all of them started out giving around kosher, which means estrus, the moon god. A kosher wafer. He says, shut your eyes and take it. If it hurts your conscience. Shut your eyes. A round wafer, what does it mean? We are taking a broken body. Jesus Christ broken. Not a round moon god, estrus. Who Mary took the place of in the Roman kosher still round for the moon god. Goddess, not God. We have a broken kosher. Certainly. Oh. So now the great heart of Revelation 17, these Balaam teachers with their false doctrine, is marrying the church into that kind of a mess. Watch when it comes to the showdown at the end time. Look the weakness of it now. 900 and something different organizations, one pulling one way and one the other. There's no unity among them. And they're trying to bring unity, not backed by the Word of God, God's original plan. They're taking it in by politics in an organization. God don't change His mind. He stays right with His Word. He said, the heavens and earth will pass away, but my Word won't. That's right. He stays with His original Word. Oh, my Oh, there's still a reason against it, just like they did. And just, there's only one thing to do. He won't change it. Just believe. Because both heavens and earth will pass away. His word will never fail. See? And see where you're getting married into? See the politics and things? How they're trying to join the church together by politics in the church. We are not joined to Christ by politics. We're joined to church, to Christ by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the way you know the baptism of the Holy Ghost is because that spirit in you identifies every word of God to be the truth. That's right. For whosoever shall take one word out of it, add one word to it, his part will be taken from the book of life. Yet he prospers. You say, you can't believe that by prosperity. You can't judge God by prosperity. The world prospers. Balaam prospered by it. But brother, you judge God by His Word. He keeps His Word and identifies it the truth. So remember, friend, as long as you live, don't you never forget this, God doesn't change His mind. Amen. Yet He'll bless. He'll let you go His permissive will. But He won't change His mind. He won't change His plan. He won't change His Word for you. No, sir. You've got to change. You can't have... Uh, God's Word to match your experience, you've got to have your experience to match God's Word. See? That's what you've got. You say, well, I'm a good man. God does this, that, the other. But do you keep His Word? Oh, well, I tell you, that ain't just... Uh, all right, there's something wrong somewhere. God's going... Yes, He'll prosper you. Sure, He'll make you the denominations as prospering or who wouldn't have it. They spread their tents, the great fine churches and everything throughout the land. The rich and money poured in and members from everywhere. Didn't the Bible say this found in there? Even riches of the world and even souls of man and everything that was found in this old harlot. 
which is the mother of the whole thing, politics and organization. But God's little group is His bride centered on that Word. May the dear Heavenly Father ever keep you stabilized right there. Don't you never move from that Word. You may bless. You may, God may heal your sick. He may heal your sick baby. He may heal your husband, your wife. He may heal your mother, somebody else. You may jump in His Spirit and dance up and down. Remember, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Just the same. But when that seed's laying there, it's either ordained or it's not ordained. And if it's ordained, it can, if it's a wheat, it has to bring forth wheat. If it's a Word of God, it has to produce the Word of God. If it isn't, well, it isn't. See? You get that now? Amen. The Lord bless you. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy love, and great is Thy faithfulness unto us. Father, help us that we might be faithful as well unto Thee. We thank Thee for the love that You've had for us. You say, greater love is no man than this for to lay down his life for his friends. May we lay down our lives for You. Many times, Father, we do not place You ahead of our own priorities, and for that, may You forgive us. But help us, Father, to place your word and everything ahead of all the personal things we might want to do that you might have preeminence in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Started in the Garden of Eden when the first two were born in sin. Now Cain was the seed of the serpent, and Abel was the
And the other, the true 